Hello everyone. Welcome to the Mentorship Podcast. This is Ravi Gundlapalli, author of The Art of Mentoring and founder and CEO of Mentor Cloud. The idea of the Mentorship Podcast is to bring to you stories that you normally don't hear, stories of transformation that people have gone through because of the wonderful mentors they've had in their life. And when I first spoke to Sim Shane, uh, totally from a very serendipitous interaction, he inspired me. His story touched my heart and I can't find myself not to talk about what he does. So I'm truly honored to have a conversation with Sim today to listen to his story because when I heard it, I remember telling him a million people have to listen, have to, listen to this, at least a million. Sim, I'm really honored to have, to have you on, on the Mentorship Podcast, and um, thank you for making the time. It is truly inspiring. It's truly my privilege to be here today. Fantastic. So, Sim, uh, when, I, when you first told me what you do, the, what I remember is you're building an Uber for safe transport of human organs to save lives. I mean, Correct. those 10 words... Really, I could, I could say this all day long and, and, and without eating food or drinking water, I could get the energy just by saying that. You know, tell me more, you know, tell our, our listeners about Paraflight. So Paraflight is a company that I founded about seven years ago after a very close friend of mine passed away, who I'm assuming we're going to talk about during this episode. Um, I've been in the field of pre-hospital emergency medical services for almost touching 28 years. I started my EMS career in, uh, in March of 1993 when I made a decision that I wanted to be able to save lives and I wanted to get involved in pre-hospital. Actually, I, I should correct myself because my decision was actually made probably 1979 when I was seven years old and my dad joined a local first aid squad. And mm. I recall that he would pick himself up. He would leave our he would leave our home. He would leave his place of business. He would leave in the middle of, you know, what we consider the most inopportune times and he would go save a life. And at that point I decided, I think when I was either seven or eight years old, that this is what I wanted to do. And when I was in 1993, I was 20 years old. I said, you know what? I think it's time. And I picked up the phone and I called one of the local first aid squads. And 10 minutes after I left my message, it was before we had uh, cell phones for everybody. That's for sure. And I left a voicemail and they called me up and they said, when would you like to come down for your interview? And I looked at my watch and I said, I could be there in 10 minutes and 10 minutes. <laughs> so 20 minutes after my first phone call, I was sitting in their office and I had my interview. And 10 minutes after that, uh, that's where my EMS career started. I took my EMT course. I started, I believe about a week or two later, I became an EMT in, uh, in June of 1993. I became a paramedic in 2000. I started my paramedic class in 2005. I completed in 2007. I started flying in 2008 and, and the rest is really history. Amazing. You know, you had a, such an early inspiration from your own dad, which, which I think for most people, you know, their first mentors are their, you know, mom or dad, right? So that's amazing. I was going to ask you, you know, did you know that you will be doing this when you were young? 
and you you essentially said yes when you saw your own father you know pick himself up and go and save a life that sounded pretty cool but how did you get here you know being a paramedic and in joining the ems to starting paraflight i think we all have the privilege to find mentors in our lives and sometimes you don't recognize them right away and we don't realize who's there to really share with us and who's really there to help us to help us really grow and to really shine and i had the privilege as a as a young adult you know unfortunately it was due to you know september 11th but i got to meet some really tremendous people in my life and i was at 911 i got there actually soon after the towers collapsed um i actually lived in new jersey so um our squad we actually sent out two ambulances to back up new york city because all of all of the ambulances in new york city you know went directly to ground zero so we called up I'm a member of what squad is called actually Hat Solo which means rescue in in Hebrew and it's uh, probably the largest volunteer EMS organization in the country if not the world there are there are chapters all over you know it started in 1961 I believe in New York City mm. um in our in our my town where I live in Lakewood it started in 1981 but they have chapters really all over the world and and we reached out to the chapter in New York City it has probably around you know 1500 members over 100 ambulances and we said what can we do to help and so why didn't you come out you know our ambulances all went to ground zero why didn't you come out and support us so i actually sent two ambulances into into new york city into brooklyn and i jumped on an ambulance and i headed out into uh, to ground zero but what happened soon afterwards is that um i had a friend of mine his name was steve zakheim steve was my friend at that point I just got to know him then when he actually launched a program that would back up Israel. So in the event that Israel went to an intifada and that's you know the world was in chaos at that point, you know, in 2001 beginning of 2002, nobody really knew what was going on and Israel was concerned about an intifada where they would send their personnel. So their paramedics and their doctors and their EMTs would all go to the front line as you know as uh, military reserve and all of a sudden what are they going to do in their cities so out of this gentleman named Steve Zakai who's actually the first volunteer paramedic i believe in New York City and he owned a very large ambulance company at that point called Metropolitan mm. and he unfortunately lost 14 of his personnel at ground zero spent about 30 days there but in the begin end of 2001 beginning of 2002 he launched a program called the uh called the heart team and the heart team was set up to go into other countries in the event that they needed medical personnel and we trained in Israel and in other places and unfortunately um as i said we i got to know him very very well and unfortunately he got sick he got sick secondary to his exposure uh once he lost as i mentioned lost 14 personnel he spent an excess of 30 days at ground zero and unfortunately he got sick So we had gotten very close, you know, after those training missions that we had in Israel and other parts of the world and we actually ended up we opened up three pharmacies together and then he got sick. So 2013 October 2012 Steve got sick. Uh, he got leukemia and he was in Memorial Sloan Kettering in New York City and I remember he called me in once and one interesting thing to note about Steve So Steve is a philanthropist, he sold his ambulance company, he opened up, you know, some other home care company, but Steve had a private jet, a small jet that he used for his own business. But what he did was because he was a philanthropist and he always loved to give and he always loved to help, you know, people and especially what we call the underdog, those who don't have and those who need who just need that extra care and they don't have the funds or the resources to do it. 
So Steve actually took his own private plane that he had and he actually outfitted it with a stretcher and with oxygen as an air ambulance. And he would send me and others mm -hmm. all over the country. You know, and sometimes all over the world, he would lease bigger jets and send us all over the world to help people out. So people who got stuck, who needed to get to a specialty doctor, people who were stuck in a hospital, people stuck out of the country where they got injured or they got sick and we would bring them back. And I remember one day in you know 2013, end of 2012, 2013, when his, when his wife called me up and she said, I need you to go see Steve. He reached out, he needs to speak to you. And I remember coming into his room and he was sitting on his bed in, in Sloan Kettering in the city. And he said, I want you to take my jet. And I said, well, what do you, what do you mean take your jet? He said, I want you to take my jet. I want you to open up an air ambulance company and I want you to go save the world. That's what I want you to do. And he said, never forget the charity component. Never forget that. But if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. We all know that. We all know that. Right. And unfortunately, you know he passed away, right? He passed away in October of 2013. And while we didn't take his jet, because at that point, it was too much of an undertaking for me, we opened up soon after. And our objective was to see what we can do. And it's interesting to note that Steve didn't actually die from the cancer. Steve died from the destruction to his lungs of the chemotherapy. And he wasn't even a candidate at that point to get onto the lung transplant list. He got so sick so quickly. And it's, it was really a shame. And I looked at him, I remember saying, hey, can we get you on the lung list? He said, I think it's too late. I think it's too late. By the time they're going to get me checked out, I, I just don't think I'm going to make it. And he had actually introduced me to somebody else, a young man who was at that point about only about 18 years old. You know, he was a young boy. His name was Yochi. Yochi Ruby was uh, born at 20 ounces. So basically the size of a, uh, of a cowboy steak or a small sandwich. So Yochi was born at 20 ounces when he was eight years old. He developed interstitial kidney and liver disease and he got a transplant then. And I got to meet him at a camp called Camp Simcha, which is uh, really my name, Simcha, which is my Hebrew name. But Camp Simcha is a, is a camp for children with cancer and, and medical disabilities. And I met him there when he was just a camper. He wasn't even sick anymore, but he was post-transplant. And then when he was 18 years old, the same disease that destroyed his lungs and I'm sorry, destroyed his kidney and his liver started destroying his lungs. And he developed what would be equivalent of a mesothelioma as if he was exposed mm. to asbestos for a prolonged period of time. And at that point, they actually only gave him 18 months to live, but he was a tough little guy. He was maybe four and a half feet tall at most, but he was, he was a giant. He really was. And I flew with him all over the country. We went, I believe, to 11 different transplant centers to get him listed. And every one of them turned him down for one of two reasons. Either way it was because he needed, his antibodies were just too high because he was a prior transplant or because he was so small where he really needed a child lung, but he wouldn't be on a child lung list because he was older than 18 years old. Oh. And it was at that point that I realized how difficult it was. And I said, you know what, what can I do? Well, where can I make a difference? What can I do to get involved, to help people get transplants when they need it? And at that point, I said, you know what, let me try to get into the transplant space. And that's what we did. We started doing transplant flights for, for hospitals. You know, we started off in the New York area. Now we spread, you know, around the country to do that. We built a special app for that. But it was all due to the nature, you know, of, of what Steve was, of, of mentoring, of saying, hey, you know, he didn't say I want to be your partner, right? 
He said, I want you to open up that company. He wanted everybody to be successful. Steve's businesses, I remember when he had his, his ambulance company, he probably had about a thousand people working for him. And he had told me that one of the saddest days that he ever had was the day that he sold his business. And I said, why? I'm sure you had a, a big check sitting in your pocket. And he said, well, for two reasons. One is because I knew I'm going to get bored. But he said, but more important is, I this is what he told me. He says, I love giving people jobs. I said, what does that mean? He says, I love, he says, I'll stress it to you again. I love giving people jobs. And his mission in life was to do whatever he can to help give somebody a job. Now, while everybody's charitable and we always love helping people, you know, and his, his goal was to give people jobs. I can't begin to tell you how many people I've met over the years, you know, that say, hey, you know, Steve Zakheim, of course, he gave me my first job or he put me into business and he would never take a partnership there. His goal was to make, he wanted people to succeed. In my book, The Art of Mentoring, you know, one of the traits of, of a mentor is to help other people succeed and help other people you know, flourish in their own garden. What a, what a great story. Uh, I mean, I was just thinking, uh, why did he call you? What did he see in you that he felt comfortable to say, take my jet and you know, go start the business? One of the things people ask me is, how do I find a mentor? But then I also, I also ask the question back, why should a mentor find you? What was it about you, Sim, that made Steve to call you? That's a great question. And I, and I never thought about it, but I'll tell you what I believe my thought is. You know, I still, we still talk about Steve to this day. I have a big picture of him hanging up in my, in my dining room um, because I always look up to him as my mentor. And one of the things that I always tell people is that when Steve would call you or call anybody and say, what are you doing now? The answer that I always found the best one to give him was nothing. Because if you told him you're not doing anything right now, now he can include you. You know, I flew with him all over the world. I mentioned before that I got involved in, in Camp Simcha, right? And that was only because I was sitting in his office one day and he says, what are you doing now? And my answer was nothing, right? And five minutes later when his car, he had this Cadillac Escalade with lights and sirens package. And we head up to the, we head up to the east side heliport in New York City. And next thing we know, we're on a helicopter and we're flying to this camp. Now I've heard of this camp before, but I had never been there before. And I we literally landed on the helipad of this medical camp. And he brought me in there and he said, how would you like to be a paramedic here this summer? And I just completed my 11th summer that I've been a volunteer paramedic in this camp. And that was, I think, was the answer. Anytime he would ask me, what am I doing? The answer was nothing. Because when he realized that you have the, you're willing to put in the time, it didn't mean that I wasn't busy with something else, but you're willing to put in the time, as I'm sure you know, people say, right? How do you get something done? Find the busiest person you know, and they'll get it done because you always have to try to make, to make time to help others. And I think he realized that every time he called me to fly with, as a paramedic with somebody on his private jet, I always said yes, right? And we spent so much time together and he realized that I loved it. You know, what's not to love about helping people, helping people and about avi nice. a medical aviation? I mean, do you know anything more exciting than getting onto a private jet to be able to fly somewhere and to help somebody? It doesn't really get better than that. And that's why I love what I do when it comes to the organ flights. And that's why 24-7 doesn't scare us because it's really what we do. We're 24-7 ready to help somebody wherever they may be. People ask, how do I find mentors? And you, 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 just, you just actually taught me something very new. When, when people I admire, when people I love call me, I'm going to say that. I'm going to say nothing. Because essentially, 
if they include me in their journey then you know they've essentially given me the wings to fly right i've i've written an article where you know giving is to give a wing to others right so what is what a simple answer saying nothing and these wonderful people like steve say okay come on in and then so the the, the other book that i'm writing is called second guessing you know where most people second guess most people say oh i'm busy right now i have this project that project but they never let the universe or or the world of serendipity open up you know new opportunities for them it almost seems like you had that mindset nothing let me find out what steve has for me uh, i'll tell you something interesting that steve always told me you know because one of the things that steve did i mentioned before he opened the heart team he also opened something that was called the dream team dream delivering real exciting adventures and miracles and he sponsored and he covered the costs of and that we would go and fly with children people who were sick who wanted to do something special sometimes before they passed away so we've gone to the bahamas we went swimming with the dolphins that's really what we did we went everywhere we took one girl um her name was nahama that's her name nahama nahama was her name she was i think 16 years old and she was very very sick and her doctors gave her between 2 days and 2 weeks to live and steven over to her steve got very close with her i think i believe through a camp and he said what do you want to do tell me what you want to do and akhama said i want to go swimming with the dolphins and that day he called me up and i live in new jersey probably about an hour and a half from steve and he said what are you doing and what did i say nothing nothing he said grab your passport grab your passport and be at my house in 90 minutes and that's what i did i grabbed my bag i grabbed my passport and i went to his house and his jet was a smaller jet but he actually leased the g4 a gulfstream 4 jet that took myself him another friend of ours michael and this girl and a bunch of her friends and counselors and we flew to the atlantis in the bahamas and we went swimming with the dolphins the next morning okay and we brought her home that night and unfortunately she passed away 2 hours after we got home and the thing that i had learned from steve and we did other trips after that as well and the thing i learned from steve that he always used to tell me is it's very easy to say no right very easy hey can you help me with this no i'm sorry and you can move on he said you need to find a reason to say yes that's the hardest thing to do but if your goal in life is to always say yes to people you'll figure out how to help them you know as i say you know tough times don't last tough people do that was his motto that really was and i actually keep steve with me wherever i go but you know i actually have his uh his business card holder that sits on my desk you see it's this steve zakheim his business card holder that his wife gave to me after he passed away you know and it's you know and if something was impossible you know he say we just got to try harder we're going to figure out a way we're going to figure out a way to make it work and that was the lesson i think that steve taught me our dead are never dead until we have completely forgotten about them so just hearing you speak about steve i don't think he's dead he's he's still alive inspiring you now inspiring me and all the listeners today about have an open mind say you're not doing anything especially if the, if the people on the other side are someone who are doing some amazing things so i would like to be uplifted you know with with whatever they are doing you also mentioned i remember from the last conversation about a person by name bernard so who is bernard yes. his name is bernard warman 
And it's interesting. I know him for, for quite a number of years. He's, he's a bit younger than me, Bernard. And um, he's a very successful businessman. And I remember at some point he owned a very, very large kitchen cabinet manufacturing company. And then he sold it. And I really thought he was going to retire. He was probably 30 years old at that, at that point. And he ended up buying another company that actually, that actually produces um, closets. You know, and I got to know him over the years and just as I was starting off in, in, in what I was doing and he just believed in me and he would call me every day and he still does to this day. You know, Bernard, as I mentioned before with Steve, that Steve loved giving people jobs. Bernard is the same way. He has given hundreds and hundreds of people jobs. He could have retired many years ago. His goal is to help people out, to put them on their feet, to help them. He has started so many organizations to help people to help orphans who don't have who don't have money to help widows who have lost their 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 primary breadwinner in their family and that's what he always tries to do but for some reason he you know he took a liking to me i guess it so happens to be that his brother is married to my first cousin but i don't think that was any factor whatsoever but bernard um, would call me every single day and say hey what can i do what can i do to help you what have you done today how many phone calls have you made to try to get new, you know, new clients? And he wouldn't stop. And I remember one time I was, I was down to the bottom. It was a number of years ago. I had no money to really even continue my business, but I didn't want to say a word to anybody. And he called me up and he said, I want you to do a presentation of what you do to an organization in New York City that provides um, interest-free loans to businesses that are starting up. You know? And I said, ah, I think I'm good. I don't really need it. So why don't you just present to them anyway? You don't even have to take you don't even have to take the money from them. Just present. And I remember I went once that it was right right off of Wall Street in New York City. One evening I went down, I presented to this company. And the next day they called me up and said, Hey, you did a great presentation. We'd like to give you a twenty-five thousand dollar interest-free, interest-free loan. And as I said, I, I don't even believe I had two hundred dollars in my bank account at that point. And I said, nah, I think I'm good. I don't need anything. And of course, about a week or two later, I said, you know, maybe, maybe I'll take that loan. And, and, and it's really put me on my feet. And I never looked back and I never had to take a business loan since then. Um, we've been, we've been debt free, you know, really the entire time. And I, you know, I went over to him like two years after that. I said, I, you don't understand what that meant to me. I said, what made you push me? I said, I didn't tell you if we had money in the bank or we didn't. He said, everybody needs a helping hand. Everybody needs something, you know? And he said, I'm glad I was able to do that. And I will tell you not, not a week goes by, probably not even three days go by that he just calls me. And I can assure you, he's a very, very busy person with a side for his business. He has many different projects, but inadvertently he became, he became my mentor. You know, somebody who just calls me up and says, what did you do today to grow your business? What did you do today to make a difference in somebody else's life? And it's really special. And, and I think we all can have that. I think we can all be mentors. You know, at the end of the day, right? At the end of the day, we all get to cash our chips in, right? At the end of our lives, however long I may be, and nobody knows, right? Steve died at 59 years of age, and my friend Yochi died at 24 years of age. And we don't know. We don't know where we are on that line and when the end of our days are going to be. But we all know that the only thing we do, and as you mentioned before, you know, we're alive as long as people are, are living through what we did and people are talking about what we did and where we can make a difference. You know, at the end of our life, right, when we cash our chips in, we take nothing with us. 
We don't take houses. We don't take cars. We don't take planes. You can't even take a pair of socks with you, right? You can't take (laughs) anything, right? Not even a pair of socks, right? The only thing we take with us is our good deeds. It's that imprint that we live on, that we leave on this beautiful world that's going to follow us wherever we go. And those that we'll be able to mentor, and I love what you do. I really love because your mentorship, your reef can do so much for so many people. And we never realize what we do for others. And we might not even ever realize because they might not even tell us or they might not even realize it. But that little bit of encouragement, how many people we can see in our day where we can say, just tell them, you're doing an unbelievable job. I love what you're doing, right? People are quick to criticize. Why why aren't we quick to encourage people? It could be something as simple as saying, wow, I love what you did. I just saw a beautiful marketing campaign. You did a beautiful ad. I love it. Don't criticize them. Encourage them. It goes such a long way. Wow. Uh, Again, you know, I have mentors who actually just listen to me and say, I'm there for you. Right. Here here is uh, because when I wrote my book, I was thinking I I didn't see a book in, in me at all. But you know, very similar to Bernard, I had, I had a mentor by name Raj, who I still talk to even today, every single day, he calls me and, and motivates me to, to become better. And he called me every day and said, Ravi, have you written something today? Have you written something today? You know, for a week, I had excuses. On the eighth day, you know, I, I didn't want to give an excuse. I was feeling guilty. And I started writing and writing. And, and today, I have the book. And I, I have the privilege of, uh, you know, speaking about mentorship around the world. So, that story when he first told me about Bernard also was uh, so I, I'm, I'm sure he'll be fine because a million people are going to hear about and then start calling people to essentially, you know, encourage them. And, and um, you know, we all need a, we, we all need someone to encourage us, someone to say, I'm there for you, especially in the times that we are right now, you know, we, with the pandemic, we're all stuck alone in our homes. How wonderful to receive a call of encouragement. Um, so I want to go back to the very first conversation, um, you know, between you and Steve, when you first met, did you know that this relationship is going to evolve in this manner? No, it's actually, it's actually a funny story of the first time I spoke to him. So the first time I spoke to him actually was when I got this email that came out about this trip that's going to Israel to train with the, uh, with the Israeli Red Cross. And I remember these are the days before we had smartphones or anything else. And I had AOL. Remember the you got mail? And I remember sitting at my computer. I remember sitting at my computer and this, let, this email pops in. And it says, hey, there's going to be a trip going to Israel. We're looking for EMTs and paramedics who are able to give up a week at this time to go train. And we'll have you guys come out to us and uh, we'll train together. The entire thing was being sponsored. It was actually Steve that we found that that actually sponsored the entire trip. And I said, well, that's cute. So I, I see this email and it must have been one of the things. And it said, you know, over there, make sure you have to get permission from your, from your spouse to make sure that it's okay for you to go, right? And I remember, picking up the, uh, I remember picking up the phone and I called the number and I said, hey, how you doing? Can I speak to Steve, please? And his assistant puts me on the phone. I said, how you doing? I'd love to go along on the trip. And he said, you can't go. I said, what? He said, you didn't read the email. And he hung up the phone on me, right? So, so I go read this email again, and I read the whole thing through, and I pick up the phone again, and I said, uh, I read the email. And he said, uh, 
do you see where it says that you have to ask your spouse? He says, you call it from 30 seconds of when I put out the email. So you couldn't have asked your spouse. I said, well, you don't know my wife. He says, and you don't know me. And he hung up the phone again. Steve <laughs> hung up the phone twice. So I was at home at that point and I asked my wife and she says, you can go, you can go. And I pick up the phone and I call back and he literally picks up the phone. He doesn't even ask me what my wife said. He said, you're part of the trip, you can go. And wow. I learned so much, right? And that's exactly what he did, right? He knew exactly how it's going to play itself out, but that's how I got it, you know? And it was because I pursued him and he pursued me. And he used to literally, he used to call me all the time. How you doing? What's going on? And that's why we ended up, as I mentioned, we opened, you know, three pharmacies together and then he got sick. But I think what was interesting that I think about it right now is he realized where my passion was before I did. He saw how much I loved getting on those planes with those patients to fly them, that he decided... And he recognized that. I didn't recognize that. And sometimes I think that the idea of a mentor is to recognize the strengths that we have before we even realize that we have it. And his words weren't just go open a business. He said, take my plane. Take my plane Empower and open a business. Correct. He didn't say, I want to be your partner. He didn't say, this is what we can do to make money together. He said, you love doing this. Make this your mission and make this your life. And that's what I did. And I, as I'm speaking to you now, I realize why, why he probably picked me because he realized that if I have a passion for it, it's not a nine to five job. It's a 24 seven job. When that phone rings at three o'clock, I pick it up. 3 a.m., I pick it up. 7 a.m., I pick it up. That's what we do. And I think that's something that's really special about what a mentor is when they're really in it for the others. They want to see people succeed. They want to see people shine. They want to see people survive. They want to see people grow. And they want them to share that message with others so that they can be. And I do the same thing. I have people who call me up who are potential competitors of mine. They really are. People who get, want to get into the corporate jet business. And I talk to them. I give them all the time in the world because whatever we're destined to make, we're going to make anyway, right? So share what you love, share what you do. Don't worry about it. Life, you know, life is short. We got to make the best of it. Wow. How inspiring, Sim. Um, again, you know, our mentors see that our superpowers, even, bef even before we recognize, because one thing I found out early on in my career is we, we mistakenly think that whatever we know, everybody knows. And uh, I, I talk about this, this concept called wisdom asymmetry that uh, it was my mentor who said, Ravi, when you talk about mentorship, I think you should talk to more people. I said, no, it seems like common sense. But he said, no, I think you should write about it. And uh, similarly, I think our, uh, as mentors, it is, it, it is our responsibility to shine a light on others, you know, to, to really you know, see the seed and let that seed germinate into something beautiful. Right, something, something blossom into something, and uh, and you know the, the reason I asked that question is most people second guess and uh, don't have that first conversation with a stranger, and um, you know I always said one conversation can change your destiny, and I can imagine those first two conversations change your destiny, isn't it? Right. Sure, absolutely, that's what it is, and, and I think when met mentors recognize, even if somebody sees somebody you know, who's working in a business and perhaps they're struggling at something, but they see something else 
or they see that person might take a real liking to or a shine or a passion for, refer them to it. You know, sometimes it's a simple phone call. You know, we recognize how many people are struggling, especially now post-COVID. How many people need a job? How many people need a career? But sometimes taking somebody from the monotony of a typical nine to five job and saying, hey, I got something that I think you would be great at. And it's very important to never say, hey, I want to be your partner in there, right? Now, although if you have the, the financial means to be able to help them, of course, but they should really understand that you mean what's, you want what's best for them, right? And then you can be an unbelievable mentor. You can be an unbelievable mentor to help them. And I'm sure they would take that and they would pass that forward. And I think that's why I do it. I think because I recognized that, you know, a, a number of years ago that there was somebody who was there for me with no ulterior motives, just wanted me to succeed. Same thing as Steve and same thing as Bernard. They just want people to succeed. Oh, wow. I think that that's a great headline for this uh, entire podcast today is help have the intention to help other people succeed in whatever they're doing and, you know, be their sort of lighthouse, you know, shining right. the light on them and opening a whole new world. Um, so Sim, um, how does your family keep up with all this? I mean, well, I know they get your the wife, they get the... <laughs> I know you mentioned that uh, you did ask your spouse and she said, yes, but how do you manage between all this emergency trips and, and you know, your own well-being and your own family? How do you keep up? So it's so, so so it's interesting. My family has been very supportive from really from day one. Whatever I needed to do, they've never held me back. Not my wife and not my children, and they've really been supportive because they know it's really what I love. I will tell you that I do whatever I can to try to get back as soon as I can, even when I go on a you know on a medical flight across the you know across the country or across the world. I'll do my best to get back as quick as I can. But they realize that I have they have a mission and I have a passion. And I love what I do. And they're, they're there to support, you know, it can be very difficult for people if they don't have the support of their family and of their friends to, you know, to do what they need to do. But I, I guess we're all blessed and we have that support behind us in, in both our family and in our friends to help us succeed and to help us grow and to help us shine and to help us fly. Beautiful, beautiful. And I'm sure, you know, your children are watching you just like you watched your dad when you were seven and you know, seeing someone so committed to their to, to to saving lives, to helping people, just that commitment. I think the best way to teach our children is is to is to be an example, be a role model for them. You know, my right. daughter became an entrepreneur. I never told her to become one, but I think she probably saw me doing this and just loving it, and said, "Yeah, this sounds like a, like an interesting career I I want to do." So I think to all the listeners, the best way to inspire is is to just do what you do with full conviction, with full passion. And then, you know, the world will recognize starting with your own family. Um, so I've really enjoyed the conversation. You know, every minute I spent talking to you, I'm even more inspired, but I do know I'm taking a minute away from you saving a life. I I'm sure you're getting text messages saying, hey, we have a kidney here, we have a heart <laughs> here. Um, but I do want to thank you for taking the time and uh, you know, sharing the stories of Mr. Bernard and, and, and Steve Zakheim. And I'm, I'm sure you, you are thinking of them and thanking them every day. Absolutely. And thank you so much. It was truly inspiring. I've been looking forward to this conversation since our first conversation, you know, and it really means so much to me. So I, I want you to continue what you're doing because you're definitely changing the world. You're making a real difference. You're going to create so many mentors and those mentors will create other mentors. 
And you can't imagine what, as you mentioned, planting those little seeds. And the next thing you know, you have a huge, beautiful garden. And it's something, it's something you can take with you wherever you go. And it's, it's a shining example for everybody to be a mentor, to, to show people that they can succeed and to encourage them and to give them that support. And he's doing great things. And I'm truly honored and privileged to be part of your, your, part of your message. Thank you so much. Let's pray that and work to create 100 million Steve Zachheims in the world. Amen. All, they will, Amen. all they will do is pick up the phone and, and then help other people succeed. Um, so with exactly. that, thank you once again, Sim. And thank you to all our listeners. Um, I hope you, you got so many pearls of wisdom from Sim's own personal you know, life story as well as his interaction with his mentors. And I hope you will, you will you know, reflect on this particular conversation, find out who are those people who really care about you. And who are the people do you care about? You know, shine light on them and then recognize the people that are shining light on you. And let's celebrate mentorship with more stories coming in future episodes. Thank you once again and have a wonderful day and evening wherever you're listening to this in the world. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.